from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to The Good Atheist Podcast. My name is Jacob Fortan. Today I have a very special guest. Now, she borders on uh, anonymity. So we're going to have to keep the details about her very light. But what you can know about her is that she's a Canadian illustrator uh, and blogger who uh, was born uh, in Pakistan. And I'm, I'm assuming to, uh, you know, the very religious world that that entails. And I've, I became aware of her after she wrote an article that sort of uh, you know, hit the stratosphere of the Internet, if you want. There was an open letter to Ben Affleck that basically said, hey... Uh, Thanks, but uh, that was a kind of wasted effort. So thanks for joining me, uh, Aina. Uh, did I pronounce that right again? Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm just so terrible with it. This is actually a show thing. People are aware of this, so I always get nervous. This is the most nerve-wracking part, saying the name. Oh, well, now we have that done. Well, I have probably one more after, you know, near the end, so I'm going to be shitting bricks when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, like, first of all, tell me a little bit, or tell my audience a little bit about the article that you wrote and what compelled you to write it. So, um, basically, I'm an ex-Muslim. I'm an atheist. Uh, but I still very much consider myself part of the Muslim community because, I mean, that's just part of who I am. I, I belong to a Muslim family. I meet a lot of Muslims. And I often hear this from well-meaning Western liberals and i mean for the record like i consider myself a, a liberal too i'm not conservative in any way but i do um disagree when it comes to like things like the burqa or oh no no let's hold the muslims to a different moral standard a lower moral standard let's not question them why their women are covered up and stuff like that so Right, the exactly. racism of low expectations kind yeah. of a thing, yeah. Exactly, and so that really, when I saw that discussion between um, <clears throat> Ben Affleck, uh, I know that he had good intentions, but really it just shuts down this conversation. And people are upset at me for writing because I'm essentially talking to white guys. But, I mean, I've tried to talk to everyone, even in the letter I'm not saying nobody else can respond. Uh, whoever is willing to have an honest discussion, I'm open to it. Right, uh, but there are certain consequences to having honest discussions, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we don't know your last name and it's not going to be posted. <laughs> right, you actually don't know my first name either. This is a pseudonym. Right, okay, fair enough. We know, we know practically nothing about you except for that you have a nice voice, that's all. <laughs> Thank you. But so you've been doing this for how long? You started blogging what year? I think it was 2010. So four years. Four years. And uh, one of the things that you've also uh, done is that you blog, you blog a lot about sexuality right. and your culture. And that's another thing. I mean, beyond even just having a conversation about whether or not you can leave the religion or any of the details of it. One of the big deals is just having a conversation about sexuality. So what 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 compelled you to decide to do that? Because that's another risk right there too. 
Yep. Um, well, I was there in uh, Pakistan for a few years, uh, sev several years ago, and uh, I just encountered so much misinformation. I'm not like a qualified sex educator or sex therapist or anything like that, but there's some very basic information lacking. I spoke to women who did not know that women are allowed to enjoy sex. And these kinds of things just, they really upset me when I'm hearing women speak saying, oh, have you heard that some dirty women actually enjoy it? No, not me. I just lie back and let him do whatever. That's what a good woman is supposed to be like. So. Wow. That is yeah, terrifying. It is terrifying. Holy and holy. so I started collecting interviews uh, verbally first over there. And then I came back and it turned into a blog. You you also um, you you've also done a, an Indiegogo campaign because you you wrote a book that was meant to discuss uh, homosexuality. Yeah. Uh, there. So if women are not allowed to enjoy sex in their mentality, what is the mentality of homosexuality over there? See, it's it's not as simple as it sounds, though. So, in a way, it's hard to be any sexuality in my culture. Even heterosexuality is hard. Publicly, Like, I remember crossing the street with my husband while I was there, and we were really young when we got married, so we probably looked even younger. Some women assumed that we weren't married, and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I dated my husband before I was married to him, obviously, but she drove through us, like, hoping to hit us, and she's, like, yelling at me, like, slut, because we were holding hands. So you see men holding men's hands in the bazaars all the time, but they don't get questioned because that's an accepted part of the culture. It's not assumed that they're gay, but it's easier to show same-sex affection in public. It's complicated. It is an, you know, it is an interesting thing. I mean, uh, there's also, you know, like, because it's not talked about, there can be certain things that are accepted in the sense that, you know, they are, everybody agrees that let's just not talk about it. You know, let's right. ignore this whole segment. Let, let's ignore certain places where we're going to raise these girls as boys for a while. Or mm -hmm. let's ignore uh, these young boys that are being recruited by these older men, making them dance yeah. and forcing them pr into prostitution because that's, that's been going on for a long time, so let's not talk about it. And the mentality behind that young boy thing is really just that, it's considered a sin to have premarital sex with a girl and a member of the opposite sex. So somehow they justify it to themselves by using young boys as if that makes it okay. You know, it's the oddest thing, but... Well, we, we always talk about the strange things that happen in society when something becomes uh, prohibited. You know, mm -hmm. the, the reaction to prohibition is what is kind of frightening and terrifying because, I mean, it's a little bit unleashed. There's a lot of forces at work. It's not just the fact that it's not being talked about. It's also the fact that sometimes when something's prohibited, it adds to its excitement. It adds to its danger. Definitely. I mean, so, I mean, we talk about it as though everyone's a victim of it, but there's also people who benefit from it. There's some people who enjoy the fact that it's not talked about. So it's, it's not a straightforward, oh, everybody is oppressive of course they want to be liberated i think that this is the type of hubris that we probably have over here because we just assume everyone is miserable and they want change desperately 
But yeah. it's rather they want everything to stay the same, and that is part of the problem, right? Well, it's some people who benefit from it, like you said, would probably want it to stay the same, like men. I mean, men really benefit from this hush-hush culture because they're really the only ones that have control or can speak about sexuality, and women can't. And there's this mentality that even if, you know, your husband cheats on you, you're supposed to shut up and put up with it because a man is a man and a man has needs. Women obviously don't have needs. So are they shocked when you try to have like a conversation with women over there about, you know, just how the rest, well, not the rest of the world, because again, that is a hubris, but saying how different parts of the world view sexuality very differently. Does that surprise them? Is that part of the you know, like, d d does the information of other cultures help, or is it so culturally ingrained that you're kind of scratching your head saying, where do I start? Well, you have to understand the thing about Pakistani society is that there's so many different kinds of people. There's the upper class that is completely westernized. There are orgy parties and swingers. Man, it's and really that, complex over there. <laughs> it really is. It's not really at all how the West views it yeah. as a simplistic, monolithic culture where everyone is oppressed. I mean, we have swingers. So, and that is part of the reason why I started this blog because there's two reasons. I I want to talk about the parts of my culture that are not talked about because I don't want this stereotype, and I also want to tackle the issues. Okay, well, let's deal with a few stereotypes then. That because we already mentioned the kind of racism of low expectations, and mm -hmm. this brings us to the uh, Ben Affleck article and the kind of, uh, you know, how do we properly, I suppose, how do we properly criticize Islam without one, uh, getting drowned out by either side? Because I feel like religious apologetics are drowning people out. And even their, the liberal apologetics are also drowning out critics. And the, and the question becomes, you know, how do, how do you start? Where do you start? You know, it's really hard, um, speaking from the outside especially. That's why I think that uh, more voices from within need to be supported. Because if you're talking from the outside, I'm not saying that your opinions are invalid. But someone who wishes to, they can completely just disregard what you're saying because oh you're you're just a white man you know and i don't think race has anything to do with a problem being identified if there's a problem i think anyone can see it you don't have to be a certain color or a certain race to be able to see it but the truth of the matter is it's more palatable coming from within the community that's why i've decided to speak out because i even though as an ex-muslim I'm probably not considered Muslim enough, and there will always be those people, but I still am a voice from within the community. Well, it, th this is tough because, you know, already uh, the, the results of that have been, uh, one, anonymity, two, a uh, severe amount of harassment, and I'm sure since the article came out, that's only oh. skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. And what, I mean, like, the the after effects of this right now like how do you feel after the 
the venison attacks are you much more terrified now are you are you just still processing it all in do you encourage people to continue to step out or are you now sort of like on that well you kind of want to still be careful I am kind of still processing it. I certainly didn't expect it to get the amount of attention that it did get. Um, I mean, there's certain people in Hollywood that have tweeted it, so that's surprising. Uh, but I'm not frightened, more frightened. I'm just uncomfortable, you know? I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not living in fear every second because I have been careful to protect my anonymity. I don't think Ina can lead back to who I, to my personal information. But then again, there's always a way to find it. But I mean, I knew that when I started this blogging and everything in the first place. Right. But of course, you know, again, you're still processing it and we haven't really seen what, how all this is going to play out, you know, because even something that you do now, it exists in its own little relativistic bubble, you know, you, you... there is more pressure and, you know, the kinds of, criticism that I've received are it's amusing because on the one hand I'm being called an Islamophobe on the other hand I'm being called an Islamist apologist so it's confusing I mean I can't be both obviously yeah it, my, my, my issue is that when I was trying to figure out okay well how do we define um, Islamophobia right and I, I went to uh, Berkeley uh, Berkeley yeah. has a a definition. And, and I, I was wondering if we could just kind of run through the view of this because it's, it's tough because when you look at it, you're like, well, um, they're not altogether, they're not all true, but they're not altogether all false either. So for instance, if, the, if your view is that Islam is monolithic and cannot, cannot adapt to new realities, if this is your view from the outside, okay. is that an unjustified view or is that a justified view? I think the monolithic part is unjustified, but the fact that it cannot adapt to new realities. I mean, I lived that. I, I wrote what I thought was a very gentle and soft critique. I don't think I was harsh because I was holding myself back. Well, you even so, mentioned that there are certain things that you couldn't say because it was, the article was written, uh, like you couldn't come out as an atheist in the article. Yeah, because it was written for a Pakistani publication. So it had to be worded in a certain way. And it's funny because people took it very seriously, like, I wrote it as sort of tongue-in-cheek, like, if I were to adhere to all the principles of Islam, I wouldn't be leaving the house without my brother, husband, or father, or whatever, but some people actually thought that I don't, and so I have received messages, kind messages of pity, Right. but, <laughs> I mean, it's not true, like... But it wasn't impossible for someone to think that. No, and that's what's sad. Right. So many people said to me, well, if you've had this courage to speak out, then why haven't you left the faith? And some actually hated on me for that. Like, oh, like you're just a Muslim apologist that would never hear anything bad about Islam and you don't want to leave the faith. You want to defend them by saying there, there are some peaceful Muslims. And I mean, that's ridiculous. I don't think we can generalize anybody like that by saying they're all terrorists. It's just not a true statement. But, okay, so... For the monolithic, you say that that part is false. But let me let me just sort of play the devil's advocate for a moment here. Okay. Because I would argue that there is a sort of monolithic force of of uh, uh, fundamentalism that is kind of that that forces everyone to 
pay a, do a kind of a rite of passage, you know, like a, you have to prove that you're a true Muslim by believing X, Y, and Z. So while there isn't, say, a papacy that dictates that, there are all these other rules that are kind of a generally accepted. And that that is a, I, I see that as a kind of force. Because for instance, you could have any number of, of liberal um, Muslim groups are targets themselves mm-hmm. of extremists yeah. and probably more targets. And so I would say that even though the, you know, it, it has plenty of ability to branch out, those branches are immediately attacked. And that, that's what I'm arguing. I'm arguing that if, if you're, I, the monolithic force behind it is the fundamentalism that seems to be still a driving force in, through the religion. So do, do, is that true or is that false? Well, I think we would just phrase it differently. I would say that it's more of a literal interpretation that we cling on to, and that is the problem. Like, Islam is adhered to so literally, and it's so contradictory, too. Like, as any religion is, we, a lot of people tend to, the the liberal Muslims tend to pick and choose, and that's really what you have to do to survive in the modern world. But that's a bit dishonest because you're not, you're not abiding by everything. Right. But okay, so let's, let's go to the second uh, point. Uh, it says that Islam does not share common values with other major faiths. Now, again, sort of we're in a little bit tough category here because we mentioned as in the, the, as in the first one, cannot adapt to new realities. The, it, and we, when we talk about shared common values, Let's say the shared common values of equal rights, of shared common values of... I don't know. Do you think that is a common value in other faiths, though? I don't. Well, okay. Well, let's let's say that if you were to deal so with... Shares, so let me put it this way. Yeah. It shares the common values of misogyny, for one. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the problem right here is that in their definition, they think that other major faiths actually have positive common... Right. values, but that's actually the mistaken assumption, is that it's yep. not really a product of other faiths, it's a product of other cultures that the faiths have had to kind of bow down or, or kowtow yes. if you want. So the, the fact the, that the faiths are not adhered yeah. to literally is actually the reason why other cultures are more open and progressive. So I guess that we would say, we would both agree that the second definition is 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 wrong because it misidentifies this uh, you know the thing completely by you know by ignoring the fact that other faiths are very clearly also against the the type of values that we have we just don't allow them to dictate the the society's values. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Completely. Let's go to the third one. So um, Islam as a religion is inferior to the West, and I think that this again conflates Western secularism with religious belief, and views it as archaic, barbaric, and irrational. But it it doesn't really mention religions of the West. It just says the West. Right. And I know that's that's harsh, and it's prickly, and people will not like to hear it. But, I mean, how can you deny that freedom of religion, freedom from religion, being safe, uh, not being treated as an object that needs to be covered up. Like, how is that not better? There is an element, like, I know that people hate hearing, like, because there's this, like, whole white supremacy thing going on with the West. And, well, they assume that the West implies that the white people are better and the East implies that the brown people are not 
as good. Right. But that's not how I see it. I mean, I live in the West, and my family chose to move here because it is a better life. You just can't debate that if you're being honest. I suppose, though, that I, I guess there's two ways that people choose to. The first way seems to be that it's easy for us to, you know, when we deal with that fact of saying it is that in, that whole fact of inferiority, well, they just can turn around that and say, well, it's like that because of your colonialism and it's all your yeah. fault. And yeah. so they basically kind of, they can throw that in our face. And it's difficult because at the same time, I can't deny yeah. the actions of I my government. The white guilt comes in and then it, they're successful in shutting you off. That's why saying things like racist, bigot in these conversations is, you know, it's, not helpful at all because if I were a white male, you know, I would retreat from that conversation, even though I think those are valid points. I mean, they called me, my own culture and people, they have been, you know, harassing me with comments of racist, textbook racist, and they're a race betrayer. And I mean, <laughs> which state that statement itself is racist. That's great. I mean, you're getting it from both sides. Amazing. I am, yeah. God damn, you're getting <laughs> tag-teamed. It's horrible. How can we get you out of this situation? I mean, let me ask you this question, okay? So this is we'll, we'll, we'll deviate from the list for just a moment. And I want to focus kind of on, on the cultural aspect. Because you said yourself, you are a, a culturally, you're Muslim, right? I mean, you have to identify right. with that. Yeah. But what do you want to see of that culture how do you want to see how how could you see it evolve? How could you see it get rid of all of those elements? Is it too ingrained in the, in society? What can how can they how can we rise above? So it it is very ingrained and it is hard to let go. I mean, something you've believed in your whole life, it's hard to unravel and break that down. But I mean, this is where I disagree from the anti-theists who believe that religion should just be gone a lot of the time. Uh, and in, in some ways, I may agree with them in an ideal world, but it's never going to happen. Religion is never going to go away in our lifetime. So calling for its abolishment and telling people that all Muslims are pedophiles, these are just not effective ways of communication. If we actually want to progress... I think that reform is the answer. And this is why, like, sometimes I, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but sometimes I disagree with the way Dawkins phrases his tweets, and I, I think that uh, alienates a lot of people. I agree with that. I mean, I kind of wish he'd get off Twitter. I would say that, yeah. I would say that, you know, like, Twitter tw Twitter works best. If you really want to get a point across and you want to use Twitter, be a fucking poet. You know what I mean? You got 140 <laughs> characters. You don't got a lot of time. Yeah. 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 I mean, blogging exists for a reason, I think. And yeah. it, Twitter definitely doesn't replace that. Yeah. yeah. And so, what I was saying about reform, even though I'm not a believer in the religion, I'm a true supporter of reform. And this is why, you know, aside from being a, a sex blogger, immoral woman who talks about sex freely, I also like to focus on children's education and books that feature South Asian characters because they are missing from the general narrative of children's literature. In the West, I mean, there's so many South Asian kids, but how few resources are there that feature characters that speak to them? There's, like, absolutely nothing. 
almost. Yeah. There's a, you know what, in, in terms of, I, I don't know if this was a kid's movie. I'm trying to remember. There was this animated movie from this, that made by this girl that lived in Iran. I cannot oh, remember. Yes. What, what was it called? Persepolis? Yes. That's it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, these stories need to be told. Our stories need to be told for our kids' benefits and for other kids' benefits so that they don't grow up thinking of all Muslims as this untouchable, different kind of people that are just irrational, crazy terrorists. Like, I think that's a very wrong approach that leads to um, people spray-painting mosques and telling people to go home. Well, it leads to more division. Yes, and that is just like you're sending them to the arms of people who will welcome them and tell them the West is their enemy. I guess I guess we have a tough problem too because I think that one of the you know we mentioned how ingrained it is culturally, but the other element, and this is one, this is back at the list here, is that one of the views of if you're defining yourself as an Islamophobe is that Islam is a violent political ideology. If this is one of your beliefs, now. My issue with trying to say let's reform Islam is also the fact that in Islam it believes it is the total solution for your entire life. Like that's just bullshit, though. Like you can't. It's a book that's over a thousand years old. It's not stood the test of time. That much is apparent. If you do not accept that, then you're just dishonest to begin with. But how do you separate if you say, if you say that? What's left of Islam to a person who's Muslim? Like, for, for so many people, the way, I, the way it seems, at least this is to me, again, speaking from someone outside of the culture, but it seems to me that the major appeal to it is your complete surrender of everything. You're like, here, I got a, I got a solution for you. You know all your problems will go away because you just have to follow everything that this imam say, pray five times a day, and you're done. And eat sandwiches. And eat sandwiches. <laughs> and you can you can obviously accept that for some people who want you know simplicity in life that would be very appealing. But I mean I think that it's kind of the 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 inherent poisonous uh, element that's inside that I'm like, can you reform something that is trying to offer easy answers and that wants right, to be a complete package it, to everything? If you think that something is infallible, there is your mistake right there. I mean, then there's no reform. Then you're beyond reach. How? What percentage? What percentage of Muslims would that be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea. But I think it's it's it would be. Okay, wait. Let's 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 reexamine these numbers. When I say how, what percentage of those people are forced to be that way, and if there was another option, they choose one. Because I still feel that we might talk about it and say it's ninety percent, but of that. You know, we might be distilling, we could distill that number a little bit further. Is it, is it just a really strong minority that's just pushing everybody? Or is it really everything that, something that everybody accepts? Like, is it just that? No, I mean, I think if you were to think that majority of Muslims think it's that infallible, they would be adhering to it like incredibly literally, even more so than they do now. Perhaps like, ISIS type and oh, yeah, I can't believe I said that. Well, somebody, I don't, I don't know. Let's, because, because here's the thing, and and we we mentioned that even in the definition, we always we confuse the culture and the religion all the time, which is what you know when we were talking about. Oh, Islam is inferior to the West. Well, the West's religion, I wouldn't make that statement, but the West as a culture, 
I would say that that's true. But again, we're making that confusion, right? We're uh, confusing but that's culture. Slippery slope too. I mean, people use that argument all the time just to shut down conversation. Reza Aslan thinks that uh, FGM, female genital mutilation, has nothing to do with Islam, right. and that's dishonest. He yeah, says the cultural thing. He also wrote something, I believe, that said that ideology does not give you morals. In fact, you bring your morals to ideology. Then what is the point of religion at all? If it's not there to provide you with morals, then it's useless. I mean, what was the purpose of it? Oh, well, if it's so malleable and so, you know, you can choose what you want. Oh, well, there's a zillion ways you can dissect it. I mean, it's kind of the, the hilarious way that Christians think that because, without God, you can't have objective morality. He's not that useful. As a, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the truth about religion. It doesn't prove to be very useful. But we, we, we seem to already know that the fact that, that that is not important. That seems to be less important to people. Well, yeah, we're perfectly functioning moral human beings without it, I think. I mean, there's dozens of hundreds of examples out there. People will write to me sometimes, and this is not religion-related uh, or suppose it is indirectly, but they'll say things like, how can you be a woman that's from our culture that speaks about sex so openly? You're advocating premarital sex. You might as well be okay with bestiality then. These are like ridiculous. Wow, that's the slipperiest slope I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> wow, you went out the deep end on that last one. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I should have prepared a list of the comments that I get just to read some to you. They're pretty entertaining. I think you could probably, and you know, you gave me an idea when you were talking about how is it that you can reform the culture, right? And I think that there's, I mean, you, you said it before, how many books are there available to people about their experiences or that kind of, very limited, it seems to mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. this is essentially the issue. Because what I, what I wouldn't want is to carpet bomb these people with books from the West. You need to carpet bomb them with experiences of people who live there. Yeah. Th yeah. That that culture needs to move beyond Islam. Like it's, I think it's not about reforming a religion that I think at the end of the day, it cannot be reformed. That's my opinion. Okay. I could be wrong. But I think that it has to kind of elevate. The society is right. what, is what right. has to basically change, and that will change Islam. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, that. Like I, I agree, because we do need more focus on education. I read an article recently where um, one of the provinces that has a religious government uh, decided to uh, make some changes to the syllabus, something like adding 18 Quran verses to the chemistry books and getting rid of the word good morning from classrooms and using assalamu alaikum instead. I mean, this is what's happening. It's it's horrific. Yeah, they, Chemistry yeah. books and Quran verses. Why? What? Yeah. Well, you know, they in doesn't it say in the Quran that salt water and, and uh, fresh water don't mix? Do your chemistry, people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to test that assumption. It's in the book. It's infallible. Of course it's right. not wrong. Right, right. <laughs> I don't need to check this fact. But, okay, so they obviously know something that we don't, or at least religionists have always been very good at getting their shit together and uh, acting. I think that that's where we always fail. We're very good at talking, but we're very bad at actually doing shit. As atheists, you mean? Yeah, as a non, as as a group, let's say, we always well, be like, wait, we're we're satisfied with you not believing. 
Because I think the belief in something will bind you together far more than the belief in than than the belief in nothing. You know, like there's nothing that we there's not anything com- like binding us. Well, there's God for the other yeah. people. There's nothingness for us. But it's it, it's true that we think that. But at the end of the day, that's not true too. I mean, a simple example would be that if. You know, look at it as a group of, of ants. And let's pretend a whole bunch of ants decided that, no, we're, we don't believe what all these other ants are. And there are consequences. So maybe the other ants will reject them or maybe they'll have less opportunities somewhere, at least in terms of mates. And who knows what? They have a different life path now. So if a person naively thinks that they're not connected with those other ants because they don't have a shared common X then I think that that's just dumb. They don't see what thing really binds them and what makes them have things in common with other people. I'm like, open your eyes. Uh-huh. I'm like, until there's a normalization of non-belief, you have tons of com- in common. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. We, we still have to declare that we're atheists, a lot of us, because we don't have to declare that we don't believe in unicorns or spaghetti monsters, but it's kind of the same. But we have to still state it. It should be. And, Normal. And, and I imagine, you know, like one of the things that I see uh, that always freaks me out a little bit is someone, let's say, the, they'll, they'll be at in Saudi Arabia near, um, near Mecca or something, and they'll take a photo of themselves holding a thing saying, I'm a non-believer. <laughs> and meanwhile, I've, you're like, holy moly. Yeah, I love it. That's daring. That's ballsy. You know who that is? No. Oh, daring. I thought no, you no. said daring. No, no, I said daring. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not outing this. This is Darren, blah, blah, blah. He lives there. No, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. No, no, no. I, 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 my whole thing, too, is I, I secretly hope that there are some people out there that are downloading my show because I'm just small enough, right, that probably in many countries I haven't been blocked yet. And so right, that's where, What's that? I'm small, but I still have been blocked. Oh, man. Well, that's how you know you're doing good. You know? <laughs> I know that I'm still not making any inroads over there because I haven't been blocked. Well, I mean, you're you're speaking to a Western audience. I mean, you have the freedom to do that. I speak to a Pakistani audience, and uh, it's odd, though. They haven't really figured out the blocking. Like, I'm blocked sporadically. I can't make sense of it. I'm blocked in some parts of the Middle East. But I still have people who read my blog in the Middle East. I'm blocked in some parts of Pakistan, but I still have some people that can access it. So it doesn't make sense. It seems like they can't agree whether to block me or not. That's like anything else. I mean, you could be liquor and we'd make you illegal and people would just find a way to drink you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can imagine that people living in those countries know their way around uh, a few blocks. Yeah, I mean, they have they have blocked YouTube for years now because of some video that someone put up on there. But, I mean, they've deprived the nation of YouTube. So I'm sure people have figured out how to go around that kind of stuff. Yeah, they've deprived most of their citizens, but they've made a portion of their citizens uber prolific with the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are the consequences. I mean, it sounds strange and funny, but think about one of the things that Prohibition did in the United States is that it kind of created a bit of a women's lib movement because women didn't go to bars when it was legal, but they sure as shit went yeah. to it when it was illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, and, so you wonder what kind of influence it has sometimes on people. 
I, I think the oppression has a greater influence though, but, and, and I, I realize as I speak as well, sometimes I'm not considered a valid voice from the community because I'm this Western person with air conditioning. Like that's what I get thrown at me all the time. Like, how can you have opinions about your motherland? Because you sit in your air conditioned living room in Toronto. Like, why are you upset that people rape and this and that? Like, you, you do not know what suffering we go through and why we rape. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous because. But what point are they trying to make? Because, one thing you say, yeah, I'm living in this AC environment because we don't have a repressive culture. It's like, have you, yeah, have you tried then, it? <laughs> I'm this, like, you know, there are different ways to exclude people from the conversation and shut them down. There will always be a reason. Like, I tried to start a campaign to start an awareness, uh, to start awareness about childhood sexual abuse, and it got such little support that it was appalling. Like, there, there are no laws to protect kids from pedophiles specifically. Like, they will charge pedophiles maybe with the rape law or whatever, but... There's no anti-pedophilia laws, and I, I would love to have that changed. I would love to have the government run a public service announcement just to create some more awareness because childhood sexual abuse is seen as something so shameful that once discovered in the house, they will just like try to brush it under the rug. And I just want to create more awareness about that. And people were so mad at me saying that I'm someone who airs the country's dirty laundry and brings shame and blah, blah, like they would rather that I am quiet and do not bring shame upon the country. So it's a very skewed, very weird perspective. Like I have a hard time understanding it sometimes. Yeah, I can, I mean, even though you, you've, you've navigated through all those different cultures, I guess it's supposed, once, when you've valued a certain set of beliefs, it, it, sometimes it can be kind of hard to really understand where someone with a completely alien set is kind of coming from. Be like, how do I, how do I communicate with you? How can we yeah. get a dialogue going? I ask myself this question really, all the time. That's the same question that you bring up about how do you be someone outside and make a valid critique? Like, I think that you should be able to, but a lot of voices from inside just don't think your voice is valid. I think we got to go back to some old school methods. Here's what I think we should do. You know, pay, like we find some underground people who want to start some online publications and some pamphlets or whatever, and then we just start funding that. You know, go out and make pamphlets. You can't stop pamphlets. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a very poor freelance graphic designer who is having a terrible time job hunting, so I can't fund anything, and that's really sad to me because there's so much I'd like to do um, but and after this letter I can't tell you how many offers I've received to write for people for free <laughs> well usually yeah yes yeah. The writing and drawing is just not a payable skill <laughs> you're speaking to someone who's been trying to do it for a number of years tough. yeah it's tough it's tough it doesn't have like, you know, not a lot of people come over and ask you, can you fix my roof for free? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just not valued as, in the same way. But, no. you know, people forget, hey, you know, you, you did that art piece of art for me. It'll last you as long as you take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, like I said before, I mean, this is just you, you've witnessed a slice of time. I mean, there's no, there is really no telling what the future might hold. You've you've already tasted a little bit of what it takes in order to get some people's attention, and I, I you know, I read. I want to do. What it takes is to be a race betrayer. <laughs> I think what it takes, though, you're you're in a unique position, and this is the kind of thing where. You know, th- this is the same reason why Raza Aslan gets invited to everything. It's because yeah. we don't want white people commenting on these issues no more. We've uh, that has apparently kind of uh, invalidated your opinion. And besides, I I just kind of want my whole approach is saying like, look, even people within the culture are talking about how impossible it is to break through to people. So yeah. what the hell are we gonna do? But like I said, I don't think that the solution is reforming Islam. I think it's impossible. I think what you do is you reform the culture in, within it, and then the religion has no 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 choice but to reform right. itself. It's worked in the past. I mean, it's not like yeah. the Catholic Church needed to reform itself. Even when they did, they had more fighting. It's when society basically adopted other attitudes and other values, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to play catch-up, which they still are. Yeah. I mean, what the Catholic Church is debating, being like, ah, uh, should gay people be okay? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean... Forgets. Yeah, it it needs to change. Well, I mean, I had I, I gave you my radical idea. Going back to the old school pamphleteering uh, era, it worked for America. Well, I think that's really what blogging is, right? It is, but the problem you, is, I think you can have a little bit more control over that. A piece of paper written in you know plain spoken language, it still has a power. I mean, even blogs can feel a little bit disconnected. And I think the other thing, too, that people don't realize is that the websites you visit traffic shape the websites you'll see in the future. That's how the web is working. So you're more likely to see websites that will be like the ones you visited in the past rather than completely different. But if I, with my brown skin, uh, started handing out pamphlets talking about Islam on my street corner, people... (laughs) Right. Take note of what I look like yeah. and uh, destroy me. <laughs> so I couldn't do that. That is that is true. But I was, you know, I'm thinking that what you do is something even more like sneaky. Like for instance, you just distributed playing cards that have invisible ink on them, <laughs> and then when at night you can read. No, I don't know. I'm just trying to spitball ideas. It's tough. If it was easy, it's it'd be like somebody would have solved it already. Like maybe I'd have to wear a burqa and distribute stuff. Yeah, at first it could be like it almost looks like it's really super religious. You know, it's kind of like Watchtower magazine. Like you would just throw it away. <laughs> That's true too. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, maybe the show is not the best place to brainstorm ideas about how to positively influence yeah. culture. But I guess that probably what people need to know is that, like some of the things you mentioned before, is that a lot of voices are just being silenced very mm-hmm. easily in my opinion. And this is where the label of Islamophobia is an easy label to throw out. Yeah. I mean, people from within the culture can be called Islamophobic if they so much as have even a gentle critique. So I don't, I don't know how to change that. I just think that more people from within should speak up and more people from within should be supported uh, to speak up. Like, yeah. 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 And, so, and by supported, you know, like maybe some security vans or because <laughs> it's uh, it can get pretty dangerous. For, yeah. For, for yeah. Folks. And and that's kind of I mean, I, my first book, Bible Stories, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about Christian fundamentalists. But if I if my first book was Quran stories, I'd be pretty fucking terrified. Yes. I went to see the Book of Mormon last night, and, you know, it was so... It was inspirational, and it was sad because I loved it so much. Especially there's a song where the whole cast is belting out this, this fuck you, God, <laughs> in this giant auditorium filled with hundreds of people. And I'm just, I'm thinking, wow, I'm so privileged to be from a country where this can happen. But then I'm also sad for my own culture where works of such potential genius are just shut down. Like, from not allowing people to blaspheme or offend, we are probably cutting off like a wealth of fantastic things from our own experiences. We're just not allowing them to to evolve or exist or be created. It's it's the Muslim world's loss, really. Well, the art world f- functions, thrives on subversiveness. You know, that's yeah. what they view. They view themselves as people who are there to criticize elements of their culture. And, and this is how culture evolves. That is, that is how it evolves because it has to look at itself. I mean, if, if, if America never evolved out of the 1920s, there'd still be minstrel shows today. Yeah. So, you know, you think about the way that you, that you and, and how you allow people to criticize. And if you want to know the, any advancement you have in a society is just because people have asked questions about previous wrongdoings. Mm-hmm. They've said, you know, was it really right to kill our firstborn to guarantee that our other kids would survive? Because I don't <laughs> think it's really changing the odds. Yeah. And then more probing questions came. <laughs> right. I'm saying that was probably one exactly. of the first ones. Like, I'm just guessing. And uh, so I'm just, I'm saddened when I see such brilliance, as well as excited and thrilled to be a part of this society, but I'm saddened for my motherland, who constantly gets left behind, you know? There is this um, sentiment that came out of my letter to Ben Affleck that, oh, you know, why are you addressing white people? We're not any white guys project so ben is not a defender of islam and there was that there was a lot of praise for him also but there was like yeah please you know you're not our white savior but then you can you can flip that and be like why in the in the liberal west are we held to a like a lower standard a lower moral standard like what you were saying the racism of that we're also nobody no white guys project to keep us in this like time capsule we should be encouraged to grow just like everybody else's well you have to wonder how much more of this kind of cultural stagnation how much of it is going to influence those countries in 20 years 30 years 100 years i mean the speed in which societies and cultures are evolving now yeah yeah, because of all the information available to us, it's, yeah, I mean, if we continue to get left behind, it's going to be another world entirely. I mean, just my example that I always think about is how how will society be different is, let's say I was trying to learn a new uh, editing program. A fucking 12-year-old's teaching me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it used to be that if a 12-year-old was teaching anybody, they'd call him the Messiah because they're like, oh, he's so mm-hmm. wise. Yeah, yeah, there's a fucking, like, 100 million of these kids. 
yeah. I mean, I've seen three-year-olds with tablets and cell phones remembering passwords. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I feel I feel your your great loss. And meanwhile, miss me, Mr. White Canadian guy. <laughs> I feel always in the most awkward at the party because I'm the guy that if I have a conversation about, you know, the issues of Islam, people will look at me dirty on the subway and they'll think that I'm oh, saying something really racist. So that's why I think we have to distinguish from the people that are actually anti-Islam because there are some people, like I got one comment on my letter, is that, oh, if someone's starting a letter saying that they're born in Islam, I'm not going to read. There's no point in reading anything that comes from a person that is born in Islam. So they didn't read my letter but they felt the need to leave this comment below. Did they give any indication of their own background? I'm assuming it's non-Islamic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is but probably a good that's assumption. so different. That is so different from having, like, an honest concern about the things that we are seeing every day. This is not the same thing. And I think people twist, they, like, even my words have been hijacked by places like Jihad Watch, which is this crazy right-wing website that thinks everything is a Muslim conspiracy. But because my words can be misused, it doesn't mean that I should stop speaking. That's what a lot of Muslims have said to me, like, well, you're giving cover to actual bigots who will jump on that. And I'm like, yeah, they will. But, I mean, that's why I suggest two-pronged always, like always highlight the good that is coming from within the community, the efforts that are being made to reform, to secularize, whilst critiquing. Do not stop critiquing because you're afraid that some crazies will like what you're saying. I think that just, you know, everybody sounds confused. I don't think anybody knows what to do. I mean, yeah. we, we're talking about the racism from both sides, low expectations or real bigotry coming from the fact of this person is a different color and their culture terrifies me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we already mentioned the fact that some aspects of that are truly terrifying. And, they're, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not easy to dissuade those feelings because they're not all misplaced. If, I, if I'm a person who has just rejected Islam, I'm an apostate, let's say, and I have a fear of this religion, it's a justifiable fear. This is not an irrational fear. Of course. So there are many people who have very rational fears about this religion. And this is something, again, that because that exists, the, those with irrational fears probably feel very justified in having them. So what we're left with is <laughs> something that's so complicated that it doesn't easily come into a soundbite. And that's where we're left um, in trouble because that's today's society. They need a soundbite explanation to everything. Yeah, and so Islamophobia, though, if you declare yourself an Islamophobe, and you may have valid fears and concerns, but to use that term for yourself, I think it would just serve to shut down the conversation more. Like people who might listen to you if you gave them a softer critique would just shut you out because you're a self-declared Islamophobe. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, could I call myself a religiophobe? <laughs> I'm like, I hold yeah. religions in all contempt. That's the beginning of my Me conversation. Too. Me too, for sure. But I also want to point out that, the, that, that now we are actually seeing issues with Islam 
more than anything else. Like, I don't want to be dishonest and say that it's all the same because it's not all the same. Other religions are not adhered to this literally and are not, even though they all have misogyny, homophobia as a part of them, they are just not as problematic. Well, their, fr- their problem. fringe elements are smaller. That's, that's it. I mean, like, the, the, let's say the Orthodox Judaism, which I would say is very yeah. literal and it's misogynistic. Yeah. People get physically abused. It's terrible. I mean, there, there are yeah. tens of thousands of them, uh, but they still represent a very small yeah. group within Judaism or, say, fundamentalist Christians or fundamentalist Mormons. These mm-hmm. are disproportionate amounts. But when we're, when we're talking about what, what is fundamentalism, and fundamentalism is just the literal interpretation yeah. of your religion, really. That's what you're fundamentalist about. You went to the fundamentals. <laughs> yep. Like we keep thinking that fundamentalism is just, by definition, someone who is necessarily violent, but only because all of these beliefs are at the core violent. Yeah, and so it's weird to me that like a moderate Muslim or a moderate Christian would look down upon a fundamentalist Muslim or Christian because, I mean, where are they getting their ideas from? The same place you're getting your ideas from. Let's look at that for a second. Yeah, but of course Christians have always been a lot better at that whole no true Scotman thing because I think they're very used to having so many different denominations. I mean, conservatively, something along the lines of Mm 30,000. So when you really think about the diversity, let's just Mm -hmm. say, they're they're always, well, they're not Seventh-day Adventists, they're Baptists. Yeah. And I mean, that exists in Islam too. And I think that's why people resent when people see it as one monolithic religion, even though the base parts that everyone believes in are problematic. But they still resent when you present it as, oh, Islam is wrong because it's, it doesn't hold men and women as equal, even though it's dishonest not to. But I think that maybe if we communicated in, I don't know, I'm just strategizing here. If we communicated in better, softer terms, like Mar often will lose out because of just the way like he communicates, I think. I used to be a big fan as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I am not a big fan anymore. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's only because you've changed. You know, like as we age, we become more pussies, and that's fine. We become more diplomatic. We don't like the angry tirades of old. We want some different, you know, I'm something less spicy. I'm not diplomatic what? at all. <laughs> I'm not. I'm the opposite of it. I mean, you should talk to my parents. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, they, they will tell you. I am not a diplomat. But I do think about strategic communication. How best will people absorb the message? And I, if you look through my blog, there's a lot of, like, harsh calling out of stuff. I will not sugarcoat it. But when I'm trying to directly address a certain problem, maybe I will phrase it in a way that might get it absorbed just a little more. Maybe like if two people out of 5,000 are going to listen to it, I think it's worth it still. Well, you may, not. You may not be diplomatic, but you, see, you sound very much like a politician engaged in real politics. You know, I think maybe I've just adapted to being hated all the time. Like I, I wasn't like this and and I, and I can see the change in me, but when you constantly receive hate mail, you strategize about how to write the next thing so that you might receive less hate mail, but I still always receive a lot of hate mail. So it's a kind of interesting, um, and I say 
a very evolved strategy. It's kind of like, let's say you're in the animal world and you're, uh, you know, sometimes the battle between prey and predator can get out of hand. You know, you're so venomous that if mm-hmm. you accidentally bite yourself, you're going to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. So if everybody just kind of tape, put the arms down, maybe my venom's only going to paralyze you for a little while, you know, just not get all deadly. <laughs> Look, I just want to, I want to differentiate myself from uh, the atheists that believe in, you know, live and let live and let them be like, let the burqa exist. If people choose, no, I'm not like that at all. Like I, I despise the burqa. I despise gender segregation. I will speak out against those things and I will call Islam out when I need to. But if I'm to just say like the West is so much better than any Islamic country could offer, I might agree with the base premise of that. I just might not phrase it that way. Mm. So I'm not like this soft, gentle, hippie apologist that just wants everyone to get along. Like, no, I want to call people out. I just uh, strategize about it a little more. Maybe it's more honest to just say what you're thinking, but then you get, I get screwed when I do that. Well, so I, yeah. I, do, I mean, you, okay. you, you can say what you're thinking, but like you said, a lot of times people may not get if you're just trying to have a little bit of humor yeah. or, you know, <laughs> like getting those messages from people. I don't know how to respond to that, you know, I bet. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, are you in trouble? Do you need help? <laughs> I appreciate well, this. Always uh, effective communication is the key to getting your message heard. Uh, I did study communication. Maybe that comes in sometimes. So, well, you are also kind of you know you're very Canadian now. I mean, you you may not have lived here forever, but you've definitely adopted many Canadian attitudes. And I would say that uh, being ch- careful about your words that's a pretty Canadian thing too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, we're always very careful. That's why we always say sorry automatically when we bump it's true. get bumped I mean, into. I've bumped into people on the bus and they've said sorry to me, and I'm confused for a second, and then I'm like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. We're in Canada. <laughs> I, I that's the most Canadian thing I do. I'm not your typical Canadian because I'm a lot louder, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But I will apologize when someone bumps into me. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but again I like that part of us but, though we're nice polite people and you know that goes a long way and it's kind of like what I was saying before where uh, you choose what you say carefully You things can be pretty amazing when you say it politely I would be amazed if you could just go over and politely ask Islam to calm down that's what I tried to do in my letter I thought it was very polite but some people don't seem to think so at all they seem to see it as an attack I thought it was very polite yeah but everybody's got all the, that other baggage we were talking about yeah. <laughs> colonialism feelings of inferiority either yeah. justified or unjustified I mean let me ask you this question okay before we go my last question and this will be a complete hypothetical let's say let's say you had two options okay Option number one is a long and, and hard road, 60 years of, you know, people getting it wrong, tons of suffering or whatever, to just try and normalize that society and try to get it caught up, right, the culture caught up to, you know, value human rights, value, you know, same, uh, the same rights for genders and that kind of stuff. Or option number two is a reset button where everybody forgets everything about their culture and they're just rebooted tomorrow which one would you choose no i would never choose forget 
Okay, good. I wanted to know if it's kind of like something where, you know, just for for 60 years worth of less misery, would you be able to, would you be willing to forget and you're saying that there's just too well, much good I stuff? Our histories are very, very important parts of our lives. They give us context. They give us bearing. Like, I've had some bad experiences living in my own country when I did for a couple of years. And I would never erase that because it really is a part of who I am. It's made me who I am. And I wouldn't want to take it away from anyone else. Bad experience, good experience. It's it's who we are. Yeah, I suppose that uh, if there was one thing, I, I, I thought about writing um, a short story where a man invents a time machine. And the first thing that he gets is a cease and desist letter from himself. Because it would be <laughs> like, you, you're going to make decisions for me now. And I don't think you should. Because who I am now is the consequences of what has happened. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. You should do it. Yeah. Well, the t- I, I'm not. I don't know if I should reveal the twist because there's don't. a twist to the story. But Let's yeah, do it, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm. I may. I may write it for my next magazine. I'm writing a short story magazine because I don't. I, you know, you can't just make a living doing atheism stuff in this business. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to branch out. I mean, we're. It's. It's kind of like I'm not a pastor. People don't pay me to uh, to talk smack. Yeah. So I'm currently job hunting for graphic design jobs. I applied to this one greeting card company. And so they wanted samples of card designs, which is pretty normal. But they only wanted samples of baptism card designs. Oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I didn't go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Baptism cards. Do they think that that's a growth market? I don't know. That's not really my uh, strong area in design, I must say. Mm. Well... It, you would also not benefit from like the, you know, maybe you're not inspired. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show and giving us your perspective. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm a little bit. I feel a bit more comfortable really challenging uh, Islam now and feeling a little bit less like the you shut your mouth white boy. That, uh, no, I really don't think you should. As long as you make sure to differentiate from a a la, a la? no. I, I, I mispronounced. Aina? Aina. Aina. Like the letter I. Aina. All right. Aina, yeah. See, I told you I was afraid of saying it again. Yeah. I knew the okay. future. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't send a cease and desist letter myself. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were the guy from your book or your letter or your story. Do you know what? It's none of your business. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the cease and desist letter does not allow me to talk about it. Oh, I'm going to uh. get sued now. <laughs> I'm going to have to work the rest of my life to pay myself off. Ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show and, and talking Thanks to us. Thanks for having me.